Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harbin, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast. And no, it is not a victory Monday. Unfortunately, it is a losing Monday. The Pittsburgh Steelers, what looked to be possibly one of the most incredible finishes to a game, an improbable comeback, falls short, and the Steelers lose by surrendering 41 total points, 41 to 37 was the final score on Sunday Night Football against the Los Angeles Chargers, and it drops the Steelers' record to five, four, and one. And things are going to get dicey here in the next few weeks. But before we start looking ahead, we need to take a look at this game. There was so much to unpack from this game in regards to the way the Steelers played the outcome of the game, the ebbs and flows of this game, the craziness that was the fourth quarter. We're going to diagnose it all right here for you and for my Ride or Die crew. But before we get to that, as I always do, make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers in regards to players' news information. Uh, Breaking news, we were one of the first outlets to have the news on Ben Roethlisberger being activated off the COVID-19 reserve list. And on our website, this was before ESPN, all these other outlets. So if you want the latest breaking news, you need to find BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And wherever you get your podcast, let's say you're in an article on Behind the Steel Curtain, you're listening on the Megaphone Player. Thank you very much. You found our show. The second step is to go wherever you listen to your podcast or music, whether that's iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, Spotify, whatever. Download, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. And that's not just my Let's Ride. I, I do appreciate my Ride or Die crew, but it's also all the other shows that we put out there, which is really good Steelers content. If you're a diehard fan, you'll love them all. Trust me. Okay, but let's talk about this game. We're going to get to winners and losers in the second segment. There's a lot of losers, and there are some winners, and that's the thing. I, I feel like the way the game ended, 
And no, I'm not talking about the the two sacks and the weird, awkward final plays of the game. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the way that the Steelers came storming back. They made it a game. It's hysterical when I think about the fact, you know, typically I'm texting uh, in a group text with my father and my brother. And so we're texting back and forth during the game, and I'm trying to monitor Twitter and doing website stuff. And my dad says, this is probably just after halftime. All right, I've had enough of this. I'm going to bed. Of course, I responded lucky because there was a time when I wish I could have gone to bed. And I'm sure that you out there, if you stayed up and watched all this game, you felt the same way. Ah, I wish I could just turn this stupid thing off. But we're all addicted. We're all junkies in some way, shape, or form regards to our Pittsburgh Steelers uh, fanatic behavior. And so during this whole time, so then the, the group chat goes from just from my dad, my brother, and myself to just myself and my brother. My brother stays up and watches the games and... He's texting me, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And I said, what's even funnier is that Dad's asleep. And that is, honest to goodness, one of the funniest things is my dad went to bed thinking this game is shot and the Steelers are awful. I think they'd only scored 13 points at the time. He's going to wake up on Monday, and he's probably going to check behind the steel curtain, as he always does, and he's going to be like, oh, my gosh, what in the world happened? And he missed it all. But I think it's the way that the game ended that kind of leaves at least me. I can't speak for everyone out there. I know there's plenty out there that are still really, really upset. And there's a lot to be frustrated with. But I think it leaves fans with a little bit of a, okay, it wasn't that bad. I'll I'll give you an example. So Dave Schofield, the editor at Behind the Steel Curtain, I guess I'm the senior editor, he's the editor, whatever. Um, He always does a game ball or dud of the week based on the outcome of the game. Well, they lose the game, so it's a dud. And he says, okay, to ask me and Brian Anthony Davis, who do you think would be the five duds for this week? And so we're throwing out names, and we're really struggling. Like We're really struggling to find individuals. And we found a few. Don't get me wrong. We found a few. But we're really struggling to find individual players that, weren't a, that were below the line. And there was not, in my opinion, several individual players that just look so awful to me this was a collective loss it doesn't make it better it's just the way that it was this was a collective loss this was a defensive failure it was offensive uh, inadequacies in a lot of ways this was a game where the team lost as a team you don't ever want to say those words that they lost as a team but that's exactly what they did this was again This was not a game where you point to one player who did one play and say, this is why. You look back and you say, man, there were some positives to take out of this. At least I do. Now, remember, I'm I'm a homer. I say this to all the people all the time. I'm a homer. I'm an eternal optimist with these Pittsburgh Steelers. And I felt like there was plenty of positives to come out of this. But before we get into that, I do want to talk about a couple things, mainly Uh, There were some new injuries, in case you didn't read the article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com that I wrote after the game. Uh, Mike Tomlin said that there were several new injuries. Eric Ebron with a knee, he's being evaluated. J.C. Hasnauer with a peck. J.C. Hasnauer was ruled out almost immediately when he left the game. That's not good. That typically means that he has either a partial or completely torn peck. If it's completely torn, his season's done. Um, Also, Arthur Millette. Uh, with a neck injury, but it was good news on the injury front is that uh, Najee Harris, who got hit really hard high late, um, 
Most people didn't see it live. I did. I tweeted out and said, boy, he got hit high and late. No flag, not surprised because, well, the officials are inept. But when you saw the replay, you just saw how egregious that hit was. I'm sure that the player for the Chargers will get fined. But he was cleared. Najee Harris was able to come back into the game, but they sure could have used him uh, when he was out being evaluated. So some bad news. The injuries continue to pile up, though. And the hope is that next week in Week 12 against the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati – that the Pittsburgh Steelers will get players like maybe Watt, maybe Joe Hayden, hopefully Minka Fitzpatrick off the COVID list. They need those players. That was evident. They need those players. Also, a lot of folks on Twitter are just really upset. They're kind of frustrated, and they don't know what's going on with Stefan Tuitt. And this has been... This has been an ongoing question probably for the last three to four weeks. And I do my mailbag every Wednesday, and I put out the question on Tuesday. And every single week, it's been, what is the deal with Stefan Tuitt? And, and I, the, a lot of com- people come to me, um, A, because they know they'll get an, a response. Uh, B, they, they trust me with their Steelers news. And C, they genuinely want to know just what's going on. And I wish I had an answer. I don't have an answer. Uh, the Steelers have been very tight-lipped with the situation. If it weren't for Keith Butler stating that Stefan Tewitt had a knee injury, I don't think us as fans would know that he had a knee injury. Uh, we do know that his brother was killed in that hit-and-run accident. We don't know how much of this is grief, how much of this is an actual injury to a joint or a muscle or a ligament or anything like that. So I wish I had an answer about Stefan Tewitt. Boy, could this defensive line use him. They could really use Stefan Tewitt right now. But he has not even had his clock started off injured reserve yet. There was a time when reporters asked Mike Tomlin every single week, is there an, an update on Stefan Tuitt? And he would say, I'm sorry, there's no update. He's continuing to work his way back. He's getting better, but not yet. Uh, he hasn't been asked about it the last few weeks, and I'm not there to ask or else I would be. Uh, nonetheless, that's the, that's the Stefan Tuitt news. Trust me. I want this player, I want him out there as much as everyone else does for this Steelers defense, but when it comes down to it, I don't know any more than most fans and most even reporters because there has been no news on it. Not even any report sources or anything like that. So take it for what it's worth. I wish, I hope maybe, fingers crossed, he starts his comeback this week and he'll be back on the field before long. I'm not sure. I don't know. All right. The two thing is, but one more thing before I move on from that, you have to wonder, you know, could they have put him on the pup list? Uh, you know, injured reserve. Uh, how does that impact the roster? Things like that. So we'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of there's a lot of layers there. We'll put it that way. But back to the positive take. Are there positives to take away from this game? Now there's going to be some out there that say no. That there's no positives to take away from surrendering 41 points, playing the way the offense played. Uh, especially in certain downs and distances in the red zone, squandering opportunities, play calling was questionable. Yeah, I understand all that. And you're, you have every right to feel that way. I'm not here to convince you one way, or the either, uh, one way or the other. But I will say this. I do think there were some positives to take away. And no, I'm not talking about positives like players or th- different areas of the team that are going to wind up in the winner's list. These are different. So the first thing that came to to mind when I thought about positive takeaways from this game was, did the Steelers maybe find an offensive identity? Now, this wasn't a game where the Steelers were, you know, having to go hurry up offense and Ben's throwing it 50 times. He threw it 44. That's still a lot, but that's not 
a, a ridiculous number when you're down by two scores the majority of the game. And I felt that they didn't abandon the run until Najee Harris left the game. Uh, they didn't run the ball particularly well. That's something we'll talk about in winners and losers. But still, did they maybe find some plays and some ways to move the football against certain defenses? They started to use the middle of the field a little bit more. There's a deep shot to chase Claypool down the middle. So um, it's one of those situations where maybe the Steelers, even in a loss, they can look back at this game and say, well, this was a game where, at least on the offensive side of the ball, we kind of started to figure it out. That in this game, even though we, we left and we're heading back from the West Coast to the East Coast, that there's something to be gained from this offensively. And I think that might have been, that might have happened, if, in my personal opinion, uh, on Sunday Night Football. This is, in, to add on to this, another positive is that it's the first time the Steelers scored 30 points this season. And it happened in a weird way, uh, but this was not a. They were set up. I'll give you that. They were set up with the Miles Killebrew block punt, and then the Cam Hayward pass breakup that turned into a Cam Sutton interception. Um, they were set up with good field position, but this was not a Buffalo where they ha- had a. Um, excuse me, Ulysses Gilbert the third scoop and score a touchdown on a block punt. That was not this. So in that regard, I look at this and say that this was a good offensive outing. This was a much better offensive outing with, you know, your, your banged up offensive line, meaning Kevin Dotson is out on injured reserve with an ankle. Trey Turner had an ankle injury. He's probably a little banged up. You lose J.C. Hasenauer, who had been practicing as starting left guard all week. You have to throw Joe Hagan there. I mean, think about that. But this is a good offensive outing, so there's something positive to be said about that. And lastly, I think that on both sides of the ball, there is some hope. I'm not going to say this is a direct positive from the game, but there is some hope in the fact that the Steelers have yet to play their best football. And I think back to 2020, and you can say, yeah, they started 11-0, and that was great, yada, yada, yada. But here's what comes to mind, and that is that last season – I think we all felt it. We didn't want to say it. We felt that this team peaked way early. I mean, we're talking about, you know, weeks uh, eight, nine, something like that. Maybe they played their best ball in that first half against Tennessee. And then from there on out, it just seemed like they were hanging on for dear life. Literally every single game saying, please, Lord, let us get through this one. And I don't feel like that is the case this season. We are seeing some evolution from some of these young players. We're seeing the team start to evolve a little bit. Injuries have plagued this team, just like they have a lot of teams in the National Football League. But I feel like they have yet to play their best football. It gets tougher down the stretch, but if the Steelers can find a way, especially in an AFC where everyone is just a jumbled mess. It is just a jumbled mess mess right now if the Steelers can find a way to win a few games here coming up with the divisional play they will be just fine and if they continue to improve they could be a playoff team and that's really the only goal at this point folks just try to make the playoffs just try to get in try to have a seat at the dance try to get into the party and when you do maybe you can make some noise I know that's not a message a lot of fans want to hear right now They might have tuned into my Let's Ride thinking that Jeff's going to go off. I'm going to have some rants here in the the second part with winners and losers. But like I said at the beginning of the show, maybe it was the way that it ended. I'm not sure, but I I left this game 
with a little bit of hope. Call me crazy. Call me a homer. Call me the eternal optimist. It's fine. I've been called all that multiple times in my life. However, that's the feeling that I got. I'm going to take it to the bank. All right, when I get back after this break, I'm going to start diving into winners and losers. Uh, We have some winners. We have a lot of losers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, senior editor behind the steelcurtain.com with you. And it's Monday, it's the day after a game, and that means it's winners and losers time. All right, so let's get right to it. I have five winners and eight losers after the Steelers' 41 to 37 loss to the Chargers in week 11, in week 11 in LA. Let's get started with the winners. That's how we always start off. I'm going to give you one. And some might disagree, but I don't care. Ben Roethlisberger, Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger, BTR. Here is his stat line from the game on Sunday night, 28 of 44. He threw for 273 yards, a 6.1-yard average, three touchdowns, no interceptions, was sacked three times for a 103.7 rating. I thought Ben played a great game. For not practicing that week, for you know, dealing with the COVID and all that other stuff and having to test. He talked about it after the game, how it was difficult to, you know, he's home with his kids. He's trying to focus on, you know, football and staying tuned into that, but still having to take care of himself, take care of his family. The guy came out and played a good game. There was only one play, one play that I felt really came back to haunt this team and I said it on Twitter, and I'll continue to say it. It was the pass to Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool didn't have anyone between him and the end zone. If Ben just puts it anywhere in his vicinity, he catches it and walks in. Easy touchdown. But Ben throws it. He underthrows him severely. Claypool's got to almost stop. He catches it, falls down, and they end up not getting points on that drive. That was the drive where they went for it on fourth down and failed, and that resulted in a 98-yard Los Angeles Chargers touchdown drive the other way. That's the only play that I thought Roethlisberger, if he could just make that one play, it would have made this even better. But even without making that play, I thought Roethlisberger played uh, well, good enough to definitely win the game. I mean, my goodness, you put up 37 points. That should be enough to win you the game. But it wasn't. But Ben Roethlisberger, in my opinion, is a winner. Next winner is Deontay Johnson. He finishes with seven catches on, uh, I'm sorry, seven catches, 101 yards. He had one touchdown, a 14.4 average. 
a 32-yard long, and he finished with, let me see here, 13 targets. My goodness. When you have that many targets to one player, it's a lot. But still, Deontay Johnson had a great game. I thought that the the catch along the sideline, by gosh, it drew, it drew a defensive pass interference call, which was declined because he caught the football, which was was an amazing catch. The touchdown reception was great. Deontay Johnson had a great game. Definitely deserves to be on the winner's list. When he gets the ball in his hands and in space, he is dangerous for sure. Uh, Chris Boswell, the next winner. Christopher Lynn Boswell, as we looked up on the Steelers' previous middle names, Lynn, believe it or not. His stat line, he had three for three field goals with a 45-yard long. That was the go-ahead kick. Uh, put him in the lead, the Steelers' first lead of the game outside of the opening drive field goal that they had. Uh, and then they had we went four for four for extra points. I told myself... Chris Boswell deserves to be recognized, especially when he's perfect in a game. This is one of those games. Next winner is Cam Hayward. The stat line might look mundane. Two tackles, two two of those were solo. But he was the one that had the pass defense that equated in the Cameron Sutton interception. It was Hayward that got his big paws up on the football, and Sutton was the one that tracked it down and intercepted it. It was a huge turning point in the game. This was coming off of Miles Killebrew's block punt that turned into a touchdown, and this led to another touchdown. The Steelers were, I mean, my goodness, they had the Chargers on their heels. It only felt like for a second, but at least at one point they did. And Cam Hayward, when he was the only, I mean the only, all-pro Pro Bowl type player on that defense, he still was able to make a play. Getting double teamed, I mean, he's having to play more snaps than he would want. Still making a play. Cam Hayward, always a winner. The last winner, I always talk about it. It's usually in the losers list. Third down offense. The Steelers' stat line for the day was eight for seventeen. And while that is below that five hundred mark threshold that I usually use for my third down offense. I thought the third down offense was markedly better this week than it was last week with Mason Rudolph and the week before that on Monday Night Football against the Bears. Uh, there's Some of those stats were a little skewed based on that, that last drive and things of that nature, but I thought that the Steelers' third down offense was much, much better. Uh, it still has some work to be done. They still hit some lulls, but those, those were few and far between. So here you have those five winners, Ben Roethlisberger, Deontay Johnson, Chris Boswell, Cam Hayward, and the third down offense. Now let's get to those eight losers. The first one is Devin Bush. Devin Bush finished with four tackles, four solo tackles. And this is a tough one for me. It is a tough one for a lot of reasons. First, I like Devin Bush. I When they traded up to get Devin Bush, I was pretty excited. He had a great rookie season, and he had a great start to the 2020 year before he tore his knee up. And tearing the knee up is what kind of leaves everything in a state of flux. Because you're wondering, is Devin Bush's poor play based on his injury? Is it something else altogether? Whatever the case is, Devin Bush is kind of a shell of his former self right now. And I, I don't know what the half they have to do. I've had people ask me, you know, how long was does the rehab take for ACL injuries? And it honestly depends on the person. I don't think Devin Bush would be out there if he wasn't medically cleared, but at the same time, you don't know if his mental status is of such that he trusts his knee. He might not. He might not trust his knee at all. He might look at 
certain moves. He might look at certain plays he has to make. He might be timid. Whatever it is, the Steelers need Devin Bush to get right. And if he can't get right, I would hope that the the defensive coaching staff would say, if he's not up to snuff, then we're going to have to put someone else in there. It doesn't mean that his career in Pittsburgh is over. It doesn't mean that he's going to get benched this game or next game. It just means that sometimes a Robert Spillane, although not as talented as Devin Bush, if he's playing at 100% and he's playing full speed, it might be better for your defense. But Devin Bush finds himself on the losers list. Very, very curious case, that Devin Bush. The next one is the Steelers pass rush. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I mean, you're missing to it. We know that. Talked about that in the first segment. You have Hayward. You have TJ Watt. Then what do you have as a pass rush? Well, you can talk about Alex Highsmith, who had one and a half sacks in this game. Not bad. But my goodness, you could tell. The Steelers, without Watt, they couldn't get pressure on Herbert to save their lives. They were struggling to even breathe on him, let alone hit him. They finished with two sacks, five quarterback hits. But they just weren't disciplined either in the pass rush. That's really important to note. The Steelers did not cone Justin Herbert in. Herbert ended up rushing for 90 yards on nine carries. The Steelers' pass rush was not good. It wasn't good. It it literally looked like it's a one-trick pony, and that one trick is T.J. Watt, and when he's not in there, it's not the same. So the pass rush for me was a loser. Next, I'll go to the rush defense. Seems like this is a regular on the losers list. Uh, 159-yard surrender total on the ground with a 6.1 yards per carry. I mentioned that Justin Herbert finished with nine rushes for 90 yards. Um, Austin Eckler had his way. Uh, It just was bad. It was an outing where, yeah, you could say, well, if you take away 90 yards from Herbert, it's not too bad. But they gave up 90 yards to Herbert. That's like a few last season when they played the Eagles and they only surrendered, I think, 100 and some yards rushing. But 73 of those were Miles Sanders run up the middle. You say, well, if you take away that run, you can't. They gave it up. They surrendered the run. And that's the same thing here. The Steelers' rush defense is just not good enough, at least not now. I don't know what it has to do to get better. They can hope and pray for people to come back. Until then, they got to make do with what they have. The next loser is a really broad statement. The next few are because, like I said, this was a team loss, and so it's really difficult for me to pinpoint exactly one player who played poorly. Uh, But I said anyone defending Justin Herbert, not defending like sticking up for him, defending as in trying to take him down, trying to tackle or disrupt him. Listen to Herbert's stat line. He finished 30 for 41, 382 yards. He threw for three touchdowns, and he had that one fluky interception, and he had nine carries for 90 yards. I don't even know what to say. It, the passing yards you would expect – uh, to me, what the most frustrating was is that it seemed like the Steelers, it's, it's like they didn't even plan on Herbert running the football. No, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he clearly is capable of running the football. So the Steelers' defense in terms of keeping Justin Herbert from breaking the game open, yes, that's a huge, huge loser list right there. Next is the Steelers' running game. The Steelers, yes, they were trailing by 14 points on more than one occasion, but... You finished with only 18 carries. 
18 carries for 55 yards, a 3.1-yard average. Ugh, just bad. It was just bad. Najee Harris had 12 carries for 39 yards, a 3.3-yard average. He did score a touchdown. But this was against the 32nd-ranked run defense, people. Dead last in stopping the run. And the Steelers can't get 100 yards. I know all about, well, Jeff, they were playing from behind. Well, Jeff, they had to they had to throw to get back in. I know all about it. The whole first half was not that way. It was nip and tuck all the way up to halftime. They couldn't run the ball when they had to. That's a problem, a glaring issue. Next loser, the overall defensive effort. Just some stats here. I mean, they surrendered. The Steelers' defense surrendered 41 points. 41 points. When was the last time the Steelers gave up 41 points? I don't know. Dave Schofield is probably going to look it up and put it in his numbers article, which makes sure you check out at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. But still, 41 points. They gave up 533 total yards and 33 first downs. The Chargers only had to punt the ball one time. Now, the Steelers only punted once as well, but they also benefited from some really good field position. Think about the block punt. Think about the uh, situation with the interception with Cam Sutton. The overall defensive effort was awful. Absolutely awful. Next loser, poorly timed pass protection. You know, the Steelers only gave up three sacks. You're thinking that's not bad. Two of those three came at the absolute worst time, the final drive. I had just got I just got done tweeting during the game. Is a vintage Big Ben moment coming? No, no, it was not. Why? He got sacked twice and it turned into like a fourth and a country mile situation. And it was just it meant bad news from the start. But two of the three sacks surrendered were on that final drive. It's all about making the plays when it matters the most. You could say, well, they had only given up one sack up until that last drive. That's great, but when you need a good pass protection, they fail. They fail. Poorly timed pass protection. That's another loser. Last one, the Steelers' third down defense. They allowed the Chargers to go 7 for 12 on third down. I always talk about how 500 is where I want the Steelers to be. They were above 500. There was a time in the game, and I, I again, if you follow me on Twitter, at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T, yeah, I tweet a lot during the games, and I was tweeting how, my goodness, a third and five. If Sometimes if the Steelers get an offense in third and five, you're thinking, shoot, they've got a really good chance of getting off the field. Not, not on Sunday night. Sunday night it was third and five. That feels like third and one or a third and a half a yard. That's what it felt like. The Steelers' third down defense could not get off the field. Like I said, the Chargers only punted the ball once. Now, they were going to punt the ball twice, and it was blocked, but you understand my point. So there you have it, the losers, the eight losers. Let's go through those one more time. Devin Bush, the pass rush, rush defense, anyone trying to defend Justin Herbert, the Steelers running game, the overall defensive effort, poorly timed pass protection, and third down defense. Now, you can sit here and say, well, Jeff, I cannot believe I can't believe you didn't put any coaches on there. You know, Matt Canada's play calling in the red zone or 
Keith Butler not being able to adjust. Well, the play calling in the red zone, the one thing you will notice is that the Steelers do have a lot of run-pass options. And Ben was a quarterback. A lot of the beef last week was, what are they going to put that on Mason Rudolph? You know, blah, 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 whatever. Well, Ben was the one that was checking out of certain plays this week. So not all that falls on the play caller. Also, you can only ask Keith Butler to do so much with what he has. I mean, look at what he had out there. And he's talking, you're talking James Pierre, second-year undrafted free agent. You're talking Trey Norwood, rookie seventh-round pick. You're talking about, you know, defensive front that Chris Wormley's playing way more than he should. Does that mean that this is an excuse for them to play poorly? No. Does that hinder a defensive coach or any coach on what they can and can't do? Absolutely. Absolutely. I said this on the Steelers preview last week, and I'll say it again. Anyone that's coached any level of that's high school varsity or up, and that is a team sport, I guarantee if you've coached at that level or higher, you've been in a situation where you'll say, I would love to run this scheme or this play or this offense or this style of defense, and I I know exactly how to coach it up. We would be so good at it, but we just don't have the personnel. I feel like that's exactly what we saw on the field on Sunday night. The Steelers just didn't have the personnel to execute the job, and that's a shame. I feel like if T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick play in this game, the outcome is probably different. It is probably, yeah, it's probably just, it's probably really different, to be honest with you. That weak right side of the offensive line for the Chargers, that would have been T.J. Watt. He would have feasted on that. So, but they didn't play, and the Steelers lost. And now they're 5-4-1. They drop, I think, a spot in the AFC North standings. I haven't looked at the official standings yet, but I think they still should be above Cleveland. Um, But still, I'll double-check that and make sure you have that. Check out my AFC North recap, which will run Monday, probably around 3 o'clock p.m., so keep an eye out for that. And, you know, this is a tough one to diagnose. This is a tough nut to crack. Some fans will have a little bit of a positive vibe coming out of this game. Some fans will feel miserable, and they hate the team. I can justify both. I can justify both. But you know what? I'm going to let this simmer a little bit. I'm going to... Put it on the back burner. Let myself. I'm gonna process this a little bit, and I'll be back on Wednesday. I'm gonna be back on Wednesday. We'll do your mailbag questions. So check out on Tuesday for the Ride or Die Crew question tweet. Follow me at J Harbin H A R T M A N underscore P I T, and maybe I'll have something fresh for you on Wednesday. There are some positives out of this game. Hopefully you can see that too. All right, folks, that does it for me. I'll be back on Wednesday. In the meantime, as you know. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day. Let's do it.